This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, whose mission it is to help people find hope after loss. Heidi and I dedicate these, this show to Heidi's deceased brother and my son, Scott, and to all those who've lost family members. Well, uh, Heidi, it's Father's Day coming up, right? Yeah, it is. It's coming up pretty soon. That can be really tough for people. Those holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, can be really rough if you've just lost the dad or... Um, if you just see families together, don't you think? Absolutely. Or if you're, or if your father that's lost a child. Either way, I think it's, I think it's really, really hard. And you know, the thing is, it's not just the day, mom. And you know this. A lot of times, schools, and and churches, et cetera, they prepare for these days a week in advance. And I actually worked with a little girl that you know got so anxious the week before Father's Day because they had all these cards and and you know gifts that they were making in the classroom and her father was was dead and she she started getting really bad stomach aches and saying she didn't want to go to school and I had to go in and talk with the teacher and and kind of alert them to what was going on and she had to make she she ended up making something for a favorite uncle instead but you know it really caused a lot of anxiety for her yeah you know you really have to have some sensitive teachers to be sensitive to this you know um having another parent uh, uh, come in or another person come in to represent the dad can be helpful or or things like that on these on these tough days but they can be rough but remember it's only one day and uh sometimes we forget that because of all this preparation in advance kids making cards and you know, and plans about what you're going to do on that day and how you're going to honor them. And so it's uh, something to think about in advance so that they kind of sneak up on you, don't they, Heidi? The holidays sneak up on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hope they sneak up on you. Or you can spend weeks and weeks obsessing and being and really working yourself up about it, which, like you always say, Mom, sometimes leading up to it is even more stressful than the day itself. Absolutely. So we wish you all well uh, on this Father's Day and, and hope that um, you're able to find some peace and, and comfort at this time. Uh, Heidi, we've got a great guest today and a good friend, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Carol Lauren, she's been on our show before, and Carol is one of my favorite people. She does such an amazing job to build awareness about depression and about suicide loss, and she's got a fabulous Facebook page if anyone wants to join and has written a great book called My Uncle Keith Died about the death of her son, Keith. And I use this book as an example to my graduate students at Columbia University. When I teach grief and loss, I pass this book around because it is a great example of how to talk to our kids about suicide in age-appropriate ways, and it has great illustrations. And thank you, Carol, for everything you're doing. Um, Carol is always sending me the latest emails on on the suicide research and keeping me in the loop and... I'm, I'm excited to have her on today. Absolutely. Well, Carol, um, it's been, what, 1999, Keith, uh, uh, died by suicide. You want to tell us right. a little bit about that for our audience out there? I guess the, the um, one thing that I always remember is the day um, or the night that um, two police officers came to our home and told us that someone in our family had died 
and the shock of just registering that there were two policemen and trying in my mind frantically to think um, who that person could be. And then the police officer said, it was your son. And immediately I thought of all the things that could have happened to my son. Um, He could have been in a car accident. He could have been hit by a car. He was very, very active in sports. And um, I couldn't even imagine what had happened to him. But when I asked um, how he died, that word suicide um, hit me so hard. And I completely could not understand the word or did I understand why a suicide occurred. And in my mind, all I could image was a a scene from a television movie um, where someone had done some evil plot and because the police were coming in close, that they had to take their own life. And so that right at that moment, um, you know, I knew that um, I had to face the fact that not only was my son dead, but now I had to understand what a suicide was all about. Um, Keith was 29 years old um, when he died. He had just um, taken on a new job um, working uh, for a very high-pressured medical company, and they were expecting um, amazing things out of Keith, and Keith did not have the education or the experience to do some of the things he was asked to do. So the morning that he was supposed to present the new plan for the new device, he didn't show up for work. And Mm. early the following morning, he he took his life. Mm. And he did it, uh, he shot himself, right? He shot himself. Keith um, was an avid hunter. Um, His first love, of course, was fishing, but he did hunt. And I always wonder if if that gun wasn't there. because suicide, the most prevalent means is, is the gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Carol, it is interesting because I've actually seen research, and I'm sure you have too, that says if things are not in place, people often don't re- go back and try to, to kill themselves again. Have you heard that? I've heard that um, a like lot of Like I know the bridges time. in San Francisco, they put up, you know, yes. uh, deterrents so that people won't do it, and oftentimes they'll go, and if there's a deterrent, they won't go back. Um, I just, you know, when you said that to me, um, something flashed through my mind because I mm-hmm. had gone today to the dentist, and while I was at the dentist, um, the dental technician was talking to me, and her son last night had received a text message from his best friend saying goodbye in a text wow. message. And he immediately went over to his friend's house and knocked on the door and knocked on the window and and showed the parents that he had received this message immediately. He, you know, they called 911. They had the police. They had helicopters. They had police dogs. They had everything. And, you know, they were able to save this young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep saying to myself, if, if we all could understand the signs of depression, if we all just would just study up on the signs of depression and we saw a friend or an acquaintance that had, you know, the signs of depression, if we just acted on those signs, we could save so many lives. Well, well, and I so think that that's what you are doing and that that's what Keith is doing even in his death, is that you are so building awareness because 
the thing that you've brought up before is, and that we've brought up in our book, Real Men Do Cry, is that often the signs aren't what you would expect. Exactly. Like, you know, with men, a lot of times they're physical signs. They don't, right. They're not obvious to people. And I love that you're trying to help people to recognize those signs. Absolutely. And, you know, the fact that Keith goes forward with you and, and your wonderful website and all the great work that you're doing. Could you talk a little bit? I know uh, we had talked earlier before the show. You said that you have a lot of people getting in touch with you at, at your website. Um, and your website is uh, a loss so great dot. What's the is it? No, it's, or? It's, it's the, the website's address is the gift. Oh, oh, the gifts of Keith. And where does oh, the, oh, I'm sorry, I was giving your. No, that email. you were saying my um, my email, email address. Yeah. yeah, the gift of Keith is it dot, dot org. Dot org. You've got uh, such great information on there, and you were saying that people get in touch with you about the stigma. Talk a little bit about the stigma of suicide, and and what are your thoughts about it for folks? Well, I think the one thing that really hurts a suicide survivor is the language that is used. Um, I know that Compassionate Friends has um, said that they were going to change the language that was used to describe a death by suicide. Um, that came out, and I don't know what year that came out, but I was so glad to see it because people constantly use the word commit. Um, that word is used over and over again. And to a suicide survivor, that hurt is because the word commit goes back to the Middle Ages when suicide was considered a sin. And so when someone approaches a suicide survivor and says, oh, I heard that your father or your mother committed suicide, immediately it, it hurts that survivor. So if we could all remember that when we approach a suicide survivor, to do it with the compassion and the love that you would greet anyone that has had a death in their family. Now, do you find that people um, didn't want to approach you? For our audience out there who've just had um, one of their family members die by suicide, uh, what what can they expect? I mean, uh, I think maybe they're surprised by some of the things that happen. Well, I think the one thing that people do not ex- do not understand is that everyone does not realize that a suicide is the result of a mental illness. People mm-hmm. just don't go out and suicide. They, they actually have an illness. I mean, 90% of people that die by suicide have some, you know, diagnosed mental illness. And the problem is, is that we all assume that this person, it was that last straw that per- took that person's life. Maybe someone would say to you, well, it was because he broke up with his girlfriend. But they don't understand, and I'll go back to this old terminology, is that the cup is full, but it's full with an illness, and that illness is depression or another mental illness. And then something happens, like that last straw, and the cup overflows. But it doesn't overflow because there's just lots of things. It overflows because of an illness. And I think people, when they come to a suicide survivor, they always say, well, um, I, you know, they probably really hurt you when they took their life. And it makes me feel as if my son didn't love me. Because if he loved me, he wouldn't have taken his life. And, and, and the, revert, the other part of that, Carol, is 
he loved you so much that he actually thought he was doing you a favor by it to a certain extent by not being a burden to the world anymore when in reality he was making things much much more difficult because he would be gone but i don't even know heidi if they think that i really think all they think about is i cannot stand the pain mm-hmm. any longer there's no think other maybe, option out so it's a, it's like a permanent solution to a temporary problem yes. and don't you think there's almost some irrational thing that you can almost leave and come back. I know that sounds weird, but Mm -hmm. I still remember after my brother died not wanting to be here anymore and Mm -hmm. really seriously thinking about how I didn't want to be here. And there was almost a belief where I'll leave for a while, I'll get out of pain, I'll see him, and I'll somehow come back. I know that sounds crazy. No, I think that is so... No, that's so accurate, Heidi. Write what you just said to me because these the people that have tried to jump off the bridge... They have stopped, you know, they've been stopped before they've, or they've entered the water and they did not in their lives. And they said immediately as they jumped over the bridge, they had known they had made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Carol, um, I wanted to ask you about, as a, as a suicide survivor, what if, someone comes up to me, what do I say to them about my child? You know, how do, how, when they say, uh, how many children do you have? Do you say, um, yes, I had, you know, I have, that's always a question. I have two or, you know, how many do you have? And then the the question is, uh, if you say, yes, I had a child die. And then they say, oh, how did they die? You know, how do you deal with that when it's suicide? Is it harder? Is there a stigma connected with it? I think what we do, I think immediately what we do is when we say, or when someone says to me, how did your son die? And immediately when I say suicide, there is kind of a pause. I feel that pause and silence. And it's like they don't know what to say to me. So they immediately start saying things that are very inappropriate Mm -hmm. and I feel as a suicide survivor and I've heard other suicide survivors say immediately you try to break that wall of silence and immediately you start educating I like that because it's a subject that's been taboo for so long that immediately after you say the word you start educating and what do you say then I'm sorry, and, Carol. I was just wondering of something we said before the show, Mom. And do you feel like um, the stigma has gotten less so since Keith died over the years, or do you think it's still just as it always was? That is so hard to explain. I, I think it still exists. I think so much more has to be done on it. But I do feel that some people do understand now more than they did before, but still, I, I, I still, the stigma is still there. Now, Carol, I, I want to go through this for our audience out there. Okay, so somebody's approached me. I am out there in the audience right now, and they have said to me, how did your child die? And I say suicide. What's the next thing I say? I am so sorry for your loss. No, I mean, I'm the suicide survivor. 
And I and you and yeah, and you say there's a pause there. What do I fill that in with? What do I say? You said start educating right away. I don't know the words. What do I say? Oh, I see what you're saying to me. What I would say to that person, my son suffered from an illness, and that illness was depression. And as a result of his illness, he died by suicide. Mm-hmm. Or you could say he took his own life. I talk about the illness that my son had because I somehow feel that I have to remove those stereotypes right away and get them talking about depression. I think that's a great educational piece for people out there to immediately say, you know, to, to bring that in. Now, would you say he took his own life or would you say he died by suicide? Do you feel that the word suicide is important? I do. Okay. I do because it's a word that has been so, so taboo for so long um, that, and I never, ever have said my son has died. I never say that. I immediately say, when someone will say something to me about how many children I have, I'd say, we lost our son Keith due to suicide. And I never feel guilty. I never feel embarrassed. I feel it as a matter of fact is that my son died of an illness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think it's more difficult to find hope after loss if it's a suicide versus another kind of death or no? I do. You do? I really do. And I don't mean to say that your loss, you know, losing your, son, your brother and your, and your mm-hmm. son, Scott, was any different than my loss. But I think the stigma that accompanies it is so hard for a suicide survivor that you have to, not only can you do, you have to deal with your grief, you have to deal with understanding, you know, that word. And I was just today on Facebook, and I was on there, and immediately I got an instant message from someone on Facebook saying that it was their son's 30th birthday, and their son had died by suicide, and they had this huge hole in their heart, but they can't fill it with hope, you know, and I get those constantly because they can't accept the fact, they cannot grieve because of the suicide death. Mm-hmm. And, ta- and I would think they're not getting the support that other, other kinds exactly. of deaths may be getting, other kind of people may be getting. Well, you know, I think I think there's some kind of a, a blame factor there, too. Uh, what yes. went wrong in the family? Exactly. People the, somehow feel that, you know, that um, he did something wrong or I didn't. I remember one comment that was made to me after my son died. It was just like maybe a couple of weeks after Keith had died. And we were going to a memorial service for him at, at his graduate school. And we stayed with some friends. And I was... I was wearing completely, I was wearing all black, I had lost 30 pounds. I had gone up to the room and completely, you know, exhausted. And my friend looked at me and said, why didn't you communicate with your son? And oh my it's gosh. just like, I just, I wanted to just scream. I just, mm-hmm. I said, please just leave. Uh, was that I an, couldn't even was deal that with an ex friend? <laughs> yeah, really. That's that's awful. That is that a, is an awful story. Really, but brutal. unfortunately, I, I bet there's listeners out there that can totally identify with that story, Carol. I know. Yeah, it's horrible. 
Absolutely. Well, Carol, I wanted to ask you, I know you have great ideas. Uh, what about birthdays and holidays and things like that? Do you have any special suggestions or where there's suicide or is, are there groups that are helpful or some kind of support or is something more needed or, you know, do we just go along with, with it as, as like any other death or what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I, I, have, I have made contact with so many groups. And, you know, and I try to talk to other people about groups. But I think unless, you know, like Compassionate Friends was formed for, for families that had lost a child, I also think that no one understands what it's like unless you have survived a suicide. Mm-hmm. So I say to people, you know, find a group where there are other survivors of suicide. So you can talk and feel comfortable talking to that person about a death by suicide. And and you have uh, places that you can go on your website, right? Recommendations right. to people. And you've got such a rich website and so wonderful, and we could just go on and on with that. But uh, I would suggest that you visit uh, Carol's wonderful website and, and take a look at it. And also talk about your Facebook, uh, what you're doing on there. Heidi says you're the Facebook queen. You are. You're, you're constantly. And when I go on, you know, when I go on at the beginning, you're always updating your status, and you've always got new content on there and reasons to keep going there. And I think oh, that's great, you. and a lot of support for people out there. So I would, I would totally advise anyone that's listening to join Carol's Facebook page. So yeah, yes, tell us more about my, it, what you're doing. In my Facebook case, face, uh, Facebook page is my uncle Keith died. You know, is my book. And um, I've started a discussion. Um, I've started a discussion, and it is absolutely amazing to me the friends that have come from Africa, from Israel. I mean, it is it is absolutely amazing how Facebook brings together people from all over the world, mm-hmm. and they can talk and they can, you know, it's just. It's um, isn't it a wonderful tool? Yeah, it's amazing, it's fabulous, and it and it's easy to navigate. Yes. Now, Carol, tell us about your wristbands and how people are going to get them and what they are and all that. Well, I I started um, about it's been about three years now. Um, with people were saying, you know, why can't we talk about suicide? Why does it have to be taboo? You know, why can't people talk about it? So people were wearing wristbands, and and the AFSP has one out of the darkness. And it's a wonderful way for people to remember their loved ones and walk in memory of their loved ones. But I felt so strongly, why don't we use that word suicide? You know, why do we say out of the darkness? Out of the darkness what, you know? Mm -hmm. it's To me, it's why don't we actually put the word on the wristband so that people look at our wrist and say, suicide, oh my gosh, this is comfortable for me to talk to this person about suicide and depression. You cannot believe the people that have come up to me and looked at my wristband and my husband's wristband and see the words, treat depression, prevent suicide. Just the simple words. People that are depressed come up to me, people who have had a suicide in their family approach me, you know, people that are thinking about suicide approach me. 
It is an unbelievable tool. And if anyone would like a wristband, they can just write to me and at my website. Um, um, my email address is a loss so great at aol.com. And if they write to me and ask me or go to my website, they can find out about my wristbands. I will send them wristbands just if they will wear them in memory of anyone that died by suicide. Oh, what a fabulous offer. And, and tell people about your book, My Uncle Keith. It's, it's a wonderful book. Heidi mentioned it up, up front in the show. But what made you decide to write it? And tell us a little bit about it. Well, I really believe that My Uncle Keith was written because my son was instrumental in wanting me to write the book. The book just came to me because so many of the people from my website said, I cannot find material to work with my children after the death of their father or their mother or their grandparent or uncle or aunt. I, I don't have the words. So I decided to talk about Keith and how the topic was approached to my great-nephew, Cody. And so the book basically does not just talk about suicide, but it talks about who Keith was mm -hmm. as an individual, not just his death, but who he was in life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about my book, is that sometimes with a suicide survivor, they get so fixated on the way the suicide occurred. You know, was it a gun? Was it hanging? Was it asphyxiation? Instead of concentrating on the illness, but not concentrating on the method. Mm -hmm. And, and I've got to say, Carol, you know, there's, it's interesting when you're saying that because given with my brother's death, people are fixated on how he died, mm -hmm. not on how he lived. And I'm exactly. always saying how he died was a moment in time. Exactly. How he lived was years and years and years. And I do love that part of your book and the beautiful illustrations about how he lived. Well, thank you. And that's what I tried to concentrate. And I tried to make children understand that Keith was wearing a mask. And that mask was put on because he didn't want anyone to know how he was feeling. And I, I asked children all to, you know, to, if they never should keep a secret, they should always find someone that they can trust with their secret. And if a friend tells you their secret and their secret is they don't want to live any longer, you need not to keep that secret. You need to tell someone that secret. Absolutely. Well, Carol, the, we appreciate the fact that you're writing for Open to Hope. And also, we have a wonderful article from your daughter, Cindy, right? How do you want to mention that? Oh, it's fabulous. It's on sibling loss. And it's, it's Cindy's story, and it's very beautifully written. It's very touching and moving, and it's on the Open to Hope website if you want to read it. So, Cindy and Lohr. Heidi, how, did they, how would they get to that article? They, I, I was on the homepage. I've got to go see if it's still on there, but it was on the homepage. So you just go to www.opentohope.com. And if you have any problems, let me know. And uh, we are revamping our website right now, so we're kind of in a little bit of a transition. But it should still be on the homepage. Let me check when we hang up. Actually, by the but time it, this show's aired, I think you'll be able to uh, Google her name and get it. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, we will see about that. Well, Carol, thanks so much for being on the show today and for all the great work that you do. We really appreciate it, and it's such a joy to know you. Oh, it is such a joy to know both of you, and thank you for all you have done for suicide survivors. Um, 
in the very beginning, you never, ever, um, you know, you always wanted me to talk about Keith, and I appreciate the way you, you handle the grief of a suicide survivor. I thank you. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Heidi, that was a great show with Carol, wasn't it? She's an amazing person. Fabulous. I love everything she's doing. And as I said before, Keith is doing as much in his death as he did in his life to help people around the world find help. Uh, You can just imagine what a wonderful guy he was just from knowing Carol. It's been such a privilege, and she does such wonderful work for suicide survivors and for everyone that has had a loss. I mean, she's shown how you can find hope and go forward. I mean, she's just a wonderful example of it, isn't she? She absolutely is. Well, again, thank you for listening to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria, and with my daughter, Dr. Heidi. Please stay tuned again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.